invite you to take your Bibles and turn back to 1 John chapter 4, where we read a little bit earlier. I think it's obvious, but not everything you hear is truth. And uh, there is a website called Mythbusters, and they want you to know some of the things that you've taken to be fact that aren't true. How many have ever heard that if a penny dropped from the top of the Empire State Building, that it would go right through cement and kill you? How many have ever heard that lie? <laughs> Mythbuster says it wouldn't hurt you. In fact, if it hit you, it would sting a little bit, but that was about it. That's all a lie. How many have ever heard that the only thing that you can see from the satellites in space on Earth is the Great Wall of China? Anyone ever hear that? It's a lie. <laughs> you can't see anything from there. You can't see the Great Wall of China. It's also not true. One I was told and thought true till not that long ago. How many of you have ever heard that if you crack your knuckles and you do it long enough that you will grow up and get arthritis? Anybody hear that? <laughs> not true. I've been cracking like crazy lately because I know that's not. <laughs> right? And then the number one myth that we all know and been told pretty much. How many of you told you that if you chew and swallow a piece of gum that that bad boy will be in your stomach for seven years. How many have heard that one? I tell you, swallow a pack today because it isn't true. Maybe a few hours, they say, a day at the most. So a lot of things out there that you hear are not true. So in light of that, in our scripture today, we're going to take a test. In fact, there are two of them. And I know that, at least for a lot of people, how many of you really did well taking tests growing up? How many of you got, be honest, a little nervous taking a test? Yeah, well, that's called test anxiety. And they say it's a common occurrence in classrooms. It doesn't matter who you are, kindergarten through college, even adults face it. And they say 40 to 60% of students have it, and it wreaks havoc on their test results. And they don't do well because of the pressure based on the performance in that test. Um, and they say it covers all kinds of things. It's kind of a performance anxiety. Trying out for a school play, and you get all kinds of anxiety. Singing a solo, walking onto the diving platform on a di in a diving meet, going to an important interview coming up. We all have that anxiety, that test, that they're going to see whether we're enough or not. My wife told me that when she was growing up, went to a Christian school, a very large Christian school in Minneapolis, that they had, she was the pianist, and they had a choir, and a lot of kids were in the choir, school was about 700, and they had these concerts where there's only one pianist, and she was it, and she played for over a thousand people when she was in ninth grade, and she said the anxiety gave her butterflies, and it ended up that so nervous that she threw up over it. Not good, right? My Uncle Bob, he was a football player, and he would receive the kickoff. And every time my dad said he'd go watch him play, that he'd stand over behind the end zone where he was waiting for the kickoff to come, and he'd have to run over before he got the kick and throw up and come back. And you know why? Because we all struggle with it. Some greater, some less, right? But we anticipate something. Taking the test and what the test will reveal, perhaps even about us, 
The Apostle Paul is going to give us a test. In fact, the only time in this epistle he uses the word test is in our text. In chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Here it is. But test the spirits, he says. It's dokimazo. It's a Greek word that means to be approved after testing. And it was often used to test metals. And they would heat up the metals at high temperatures in the furnace, and then the dross would come to the top, and they would be able to say, oh yeah, this is pure gold after it's been tested. This is genuine. But if it wasn't genuine, it wasn't authentic and real, see, the fires or the tests would, uh, would reveal that. It's, it's stressful, perhaps, in John's day, as some people would read this letter in a church and And they would be tested. And there had been people that were in John's church in the first century that left because they couldn't pass this test. So you and I this morning, we need this test. We need to know whether things that we hear in our world or things that we hear even in church are really from God or are they from the world. And so we're going to look at these two tests so we can know what truth is and what truth is not. There are two. It's very simple. We'll just unpack each one of them. The, one, the first one in verses 1 through 3 is the heresy test. And then verses 4 through 6 is the hearing test. So we're going to look at both of them real briefly. Each one of these sections starts with evocative, meaning it's an identity marker. The first one is beloved. We've seen that throughout this book study. And the second one in verse 4 is he calls them children. Because he's assuming that the people that the church that he started and they're reading the letter that he's sending them to, that they are people of the truth. But they need to realize that that isn't true of everyone who talks about God so he gives them a twofold command. Look at the first verse with me. These two imperatives, really one imperative, so to speak, broken in two ways. One is negative, don't believe. That's the imperative. And the other one is test. So don't believe everything you hear, right? You need to test it to see whether it's really true or not. So let me ask you right off the bat, why do you think this is so important? John tells us, and no uncertain turns, here's why. And he uses this little phrase, from God. Look at it in your text. From God. He uses it in verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 6. And if you count verse 7, that's right outside of our text, seven times in seven verses. He says, this is how you can know something from God. Now, antithetically or in contrast to that, he uses another little phrase that is the complete opposite of that. And it's of the world, or from the world. And he uses the word word world six times. And in verse five of our text, he says, this is from the world. So here's what he wants you to do. This is a comparison this morning. If you're going to know the truth, you have to have discernment. And discernment is the ability to be able to look at two things side by side and know which which one is true and which one is false. He wants us to do that. And the first thing he wants us to know this is it can't go both ways. You see, you can't be from God and you can't be from the world at the same time. Remember we've said so far the word from is a little preposition of. It's a word of origin. It's talking about where you come from. See, truth comes from somewhere. Lies come from somewhere. Their identity. They tell you who you are, he says. I, since I came to Faith Baptist Church and... Uh, we have so many different ethnicities and nationalities here, over 20, and I've tried to learn them. 
and to learn features of them. And, and I like to try to figure out where someone is from before they tell me. And so I have there's a lot, probably best that people who are Haitian, that's probably easiest for me because I've been there four times and uh, I have a, a girl that we're trying to ad, ad, almost adopt, so to speak, and have her come here, Sandia from Haiti. And I'm most familiar with that, but I've also become very familiar with Nigerians and Liberians. And our, we had our porch done. Uh, Don's son gave us a porch and that we just put on our back porch back there. And uh, I was talking with him and his name's Diego. And I go, don't tell me where you're from. So I, he's talked a little bit more and I Thought he was Puerto Rican, but he wasn't. He was Guatemalan. So I had Mercedes, who's on staff here, come over, and she walked over and talked to him. But I could tell a little bit your accent and how you talk and sometimes even a little bit of what you look like. You can tell where people are from, especially I have found that people from New York City, New Jersey, and maybe most of all Boston, I get them right almost every single time. Now, I'm, not, I'm from here, but I'm not really from here because I spent a lot of time away. So I don't have an accent. But I was told that I have an accent. But I can tell you, I'm looking at you, you have an accent. <laughs> and people from New Jersey, it's easy to figure out where they're from. Why? Because I know the origin, right? I can see it. See, this is what he's trying to say. See, the origin of who you are is not measured by your accent or the way you look, per se. It's different. It's about where you are when it comes to truth. So why does it matter? Let me tell you how important this is. Let me go a little bit more. Stay with me. You know what he says in this verse? And you have to read it and be careful. He says, why does he say, test the spirits? Because in our text, he's going to talk about false teachers. He's going to talk about false prophets. He's going to talk about the Antichrist who speaks blasphemies against God. So why doesn't he say... And it's a big deal because in our text, he says the word spirit or spirits six times or eight times and 12 times in the book. Why does he say spirit? Why did he say, hey, you need to know the error of that teacher. You need to detest that false prophet's words. He doesn't say it that way. He says the spirit of the Antichrist. You need to teach the spirit, test the spirits. You know why? Hear me. Because behind every lie and every false teaching... And everything that cults follow is a spirit. It's demonic. It's of the devil. That's why it's important, he wants you to know. See, that's really the origin behind it. See, it's not just bad doctrine. It's not just lies that are contrary to Scripture. If that, if that wasn't so bad, it is. It's very bad, he says. But let me tell you this. It's more than that. Way more than that, he says. It is demonic. It's a lie. It's a spirit problem, not just a doctrinal problem. See, he contrasts it. Can you see it? Look at your text again. God's spirit versus demonic spirits. God's spirit versus the spirit of Antichrist. He who is in you, verse 4, he who is in the world. Are you from God? Are you from the world? Do you see how he does? It's John's dualism pattern. Remember we said light and dark, life and death. On and on. He's constantly putting in categories of opposites. And John, this is how you figure things out, he says. This is how you know what people are saying and where it comes from when they say it. Verse 2, you know the Spirit of God, he says. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the Spirit is not from God. 
See, when it comes down to it, let me give you an easy way. This is shorthand notes. Ready? When you're talking to someone, you want to know if they're really telling the gospel, if they really believe in Jesus. They're really, it's always a Christology issue. Always. And here's what it says. You have to believe that Jesus has come from God. Now, yes, does that mean the incarnation? Yes. Did Jesus come as a baby? Yes. But that's not exactly what this text is saying. He came, he comes, it says. Look at verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. He, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Now, comparatively, look at the next verse. This is the Spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was, same word, coming. See, the coming of the Antichrist and his doctrine and his spirit, it wasn't here before, but it did exist. And it did exist before, and now it's coming into the presence. See, that's what he's saying about Jesus. It's not that Jesus didn't exist and he was born at Christmas and came into the world. He's not talking about that. He's saying Jesus was pre-existent before he ever came into this world. He existed, but when he did come into this world, here's what he did. He took on flesh. You know what he's saying? John is saying this. You have to believe that Jesus is God. You have to believe that he is from God. That is absolutely important. And the number one question about truth in our day has to be, who is Jesus? It is the test question. And the answers are abundant in our culture. Dan Brown, who wrote The Da Vinci Code, says this is who Jesus is. Jesus is just a man like everybody else, and he married, he married Mary Magdalene and had a child by her and kept it secret. That's what Dan Brown says, and he, listen to this, over 20 million copies of his book sold. Popular Jesus. Oh, you know Jesus, the one who loves everybody and never judge anybody, that Jesus. World religions Jesus, cultist Jesus, where Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons called Jesus little G God, but not big G God, that he was the first one of God's creation, and so he's involved into a God himself, but he's not God, big G God, like equal with God the Father, because they don't believe in the Trinity. See, they talk the same language, they use the same vocabulary, but they have a different dictionary. And John wants you to know there's only one dictionary when it comes to orthodoxy and truth, and it's the Bible. There's the pop culture Jesus, which people think nowadays that you can talk to Jesus and about Jesus. And if you're an athlete and you score a touchdown and you go like this, then that's all there is that you need to know. You can sing Amazing Grace on a stage, and you're in with God. Because that's all Jesus cares. Give him a little token time. That's who he is. The local activist Jesus who's all about helping the poor and the down and out. The good teacher Jesus. That he's not really God, but he can really lead you to the right way of being happy. The political Jesus who's always about my agenda and getting my political things to the forefront. The, I even read this week, the vegetarian Jesus. And the Marxist Jesus. And on and on it goes. You see, none of these heresies, none of these heresies believe that Jesus is God, very God, especially for what all that means. All the major world religions and cults in our day do not consider Jesus to be divine. They do not believe that he is the Son of God. Timothy George wrote a book, and it's this, the title is, Is the Father of Jesus the God of Muhammad? And he spent over 200 pages trying to give you the answer is no. 
World religions want to say, oh, the gods are all the same. They just have different names. It is a lie. A lie. Bilkish Sheik is a Pakistani woman. Is a Muslim her whole life. And she came to know the Lord Jesus as her Savior. And in her book, I Dare Call Him Father, because Muslims do not believe that you can call God your father. But she came to know Christ, and she did through Jesus, and she calls him Father. And she says, on the side of the Dome of the Rock, which our Israel trip people just came close to, the mosque on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and these, it's written in Arabic, these words, God has no son. You see, because that is the test, isn't it? What do you really think about Jesus? And so he puts it in these terms. He says in verses 2 and 3, and the word that's the same in both is confess. If you confess that Jesus is from God, that he is God, that he is equal with God, or you don't confess that. And we've already looked at confess. Haven't we seen that word in chapter 1, verse 9? If we confess our sins, it literally means to say the same thing. And back in chapter 1, it says if you say the same things about your sin that God says about your sin, see, that indicates that you know God. When your confession... It's the same as what God says. And same truth holds here. If you confess that Jesus is God, like the Father says that, like the Bible says that, see, then you know where you're from. But the very moment that you don't confess that Jesus is God, that he is divine, that he is the Son of God, you know exactly where that comes from. I know Pastor Dave has, and I have numerous times. I've talked to Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons many times and I always start with Christology about who Jesus is because if you, go, you can't get that down, there's no reason to go anywhere else. They will not admit to it and they hardly want to admit that they believe he's a little G God. They try to steer away from all of that because it's a lie for them. See, do you say the same thing about Jesus that the Bible does? Do you believe in Jesus Oh, not just to get you out of trouble, not just to be, help you in emergencies, not just to give you a happy life, not to give you a religious experience, not just to make you feel good about the things that go wrong, not just someone you can have answer your prayers and give you a miracle at times. No. Do you believe he is who he says he is? he God, big G God? Is he the son of God? Is he the God man preexistent from all eternity that became a man in flesh that took on that for our sins? See, that's the heresy test. That's the truth. That you can bank on. But that's not the only test he gives. He also gives the hearing test. Look at verse 4. Little children, see, you are. See the identity? This is who you are. So if this is who you are, this is what you will be like. This is what you will believe. Hear me, because belief matters. Our doctrine matters. What we believe about Scripture and the Trinity, about God, about Jesus, about the Spirit, and our day, it matters. It matters incredibly much, he says. This is who you are. You are his children. You've been born of God. You have his life in you. What will that look like? If the orthodoxy was verses 1 through 3, orthopraxy is verses 4 through 6. Here's what it'll look like. It will look like you being victorious. See what he says in verse 4? You are from God and have overcome them. Overcome who? Well, the spirits. The spirits that are giving out the false teachings. 
right? That are all in the world, that are constantly attacking us and trying to get us away from God. The word overcome is the word victory. We actually, the Nike, you have Nike shoes at home or shirts. That's what the word is. It's a Greek word. Nike means victory. And them are the false prophets, the teachers, the antichrist. Because can I tell you this? We are in a battle. Yes, we are in a battle about morality. Yes, we are in a battle about marriage. Yes, we are in a battle about right and wrong and postmodernism. We are in battles about all of those things. But our battles are also, listen, they are also biblical and they are doctrinal and they are intellectual about what you believe and what frames all of your ideas all of your ideas about truth. You don't believe that? Just watch what kids go through in public schools and what they believe about gender and identity and sexuality and what your life purpose is and evolution and why we're here or really why we're an accident. See, it matters more than ever before what we believe about truth. But here's the confidence that John gives us. No matter how you're attacked, If you are from God, here's what you can bank on. Greater is he that is in you, the Spirit of God, that's what's in you. He that is in you than he that is in the world. Stronger is the one in you. He's stronger. Can I I encourage you, strongly admonish you? If you're a Christian and you know God, this is the time to know your Bible. I mean really know your Bible, a spiritual workout, training yourself in godliness. This is not the time to read just simple things, a paragraph from the daily bread or something. This is a time to know the Bible, to know it apologetically, to know what the doctrine says. We cannot be reading the Bible for just a practical tip on how my life can be better for five minutes a day and think that we or our children are going to survive in this world. Stronger. And it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. My wife and I were walking the other day, and a little sweet elderly, elderly lady was walking down the road, and my wife noticed from a distance that was something in her hands. And she had to be, I would guess, at least in her 70s. She had weights in her hands, and she was carrying them as she walked. I thought, you go, girl, that is awesome at your age. But you know what she was telling us without ever saying a word? That she needed to work at it. And it didn't matter if she was 70-something. See, it didn't just stop when she got older. She needed to work at it. Can I tell you this? Don't think for a moment that you could ever stop or stall when it comes to your understanding and your knowledge of the Word of God. We need to know the Scriptures. We need to know it for our children. It can save your life. It can save your soul. Every one of the churches in the book of Revelation, which John, who wrote 1 John, also wrote the book of Revelation. In chapters 2 and 3, there are seven churches. Four out of the seven are tacked doctrinally. In chapter 2 and verse 2, tested those who say they are apostles and are not, Revelation 2, 2. See, they had to test them. There are people coming into their church and saying, oh, I'm an apostle, listen to me, don't listen to John. It was a lie, and they had to test the figure out. Chapter 2 and verse 9, 
blaspheming, blasphemy of those who say they are Jews but are not, but they are of the synagogue of Satan. See, they were imposters, and they looked good, but truthfully, here's what it says over and over again. Satan dwells here. This is his throne. This is his synagogue, his worship place, and they were coming in to try to lie to you. Every time you turn on your TV and you watch TV and watch religious broadcasting, beware. Because many of those speakers on TV are synagogues of Satan. They lie. They want to get your money. They want to fool you. They want to dupe you into doing things and believing things that will fill their coffers with riches. It is all around us. And says, and three times in the rest of the churches, you hold this doctrine. You hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans, of Balaam. You have this doctrine. That woman Jezebel who claims to be a prophet, she wasn't because she was a liar. But she had fooled so many people. Oh, don't, don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Not because this guy is popular. He may be a great speaker. And look at his church, how great it was. Look how many people go to that church. It must be right. No, it isn't. See, how can you know the difference? Between those who are from God and those who are from the world, there's only one thing. You have to take the hearing test. Whoever has their ear, that's who it is. Whoever listens to them and they listen to you. Do you see in verses 5 and 6? From the world, if you're from the world, you'll speak from the world and they will listen. But if you are from God, basically, and you'll speak from You'll listen from God's people, and you'll listen to the apostles. You'll listen to the truth. You won't go and fall into the law because everyone who speaks for God is not of God. You do know that, right? Not everyone who stands behind a pulpit in a church, small or great, is from God. The question for us this morning is, who do you listen to? It's absolutely crucial because who you listen to reveals where you are from. John knows this firsthand. The Apostle John, who wrote this epistle, that wrote this paragraph this morning that we're looking at, he walked around with Jesus, and on one certain day, he heard Jesus say this all the time in John 10. Listen, my sheep hear my voice. John 10, 4. The sheep know their shepherd's voice. John 10, 5. They do not know the voice of a stranger. You see, if you are God's sheep, you will hear the shepherd's voice, but you won't hear stranger's voice. Because, listen, there's a difference between shepherds and strangers. Remember when we were growing up, stranger danger, you, you, you told your kids, do not talk to them. You do not know them. Don't go over there. Why? Because you recognize the danger. You know what it's like. You don't want your kids to be abducted and worse. Right? Where is the stranger danger warnings with our children in the truth when they're abducted by lies and deceit and falsehood? John 10, 8, and all whoever came before me, Jesus says, listen to this, are thieves and robbers. They're imposters. They look like sheep, but they're not. Ferdinand de Mara was dubbed in 1959 book, The Great Imposter. In the 20s, and during wartime and peacetime, he was not in the military, but he stole someone's uniform, and they believed that he was, listen to this, four years. For years, he was in the military, but he never really was in the military. Not only that, on top of this, 
He became a military surgeon in hospitals and never had a degree in being a doctor. He performed surgeries on battleships of people, even a surgery one time where a guy got a bullet next to his heart and he performed the surgeon, surgery and saved the guy's life and he didn't know what he was doing until he read a book two hours before. Now you know why they call him the great imposter. How can the world could he pull it off? Because no one was looking for it. And the results were similar. Now, see, that's us. Be careful. See, be careful. All that came before me, Jesus says, thieves, robbers, imposters. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, verse 16, I will bring them also, and they will hear my voice. 1027. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The one verse you have to know, John 8, 47. Listen to this. He who is of God, same word as in our text, he who is from God, here, listen, hears God's words. The reason why you don't hear them is that you are not of God. There are people here this morning and you are spiritually deaf. And the reason that you're spiritually deaf is it shows where you are from. See, we have in our ministry over here, we have sign language. Ready? Let's see if I got this right. Ready? Ready? Yeah? Yeah. Don't get too excited. That's all I know. But we love you. We love. And you know why we have this ministry? Because people in our church are physically deaf. Do you know why we have this ministry in our church and we share the gospel? Because many, many more people are spiritually deaf. And we love them too. But it should not be that God's people are deaf. We should not be spiritually hearing impaired. Most of you know my daughter Mackenzie had uh, hearing issues. When I came here, my wife was pregnant with her. Am I right? Yeah. I always have to ask her for the details. Mackenzie was born here downtown in Trenton, the old hospital that they don't use anymore like that. And... Three years old, she got ear infections, which were, we found out more than that, went to a specialist. They were clostiotoma. They were tumors, very small tumors, microscopic tumors. I've told this story before, but they eat through your, ear, your hearing, and they eat into your brain, and they kill you. It was a genetic disease. And so she had the best person in this country, Dr. Posick in Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, worked on her numerous times, nine or ten different surgeries on both ears. And she failed all the hearing tests. That's how we knew. It wasn't just an ear infection. She failed the hearing test. And she had lost a percentage of her hearing because of the tumors in her. And they had to get the tumors out of her life because otherwise she would have gone completely deaf and eventually would have died from it. See, she couldn't hear, and we had tests to prove it. That's what John's doing this morning for you. That's why God brought you here. He wants to give you the hearing test. He wants you to ask yourself, do I really hear God? Do I hear him? Oh, I don't say you're in church. I don't, I'm not saying you're not listening to my sermon. Listen, I can tell you people, Ed Koenig and other people who have sat here 
for decades, and they heard, but they were deaf. They never heard. They heard the words. They heard the message. It never got into them. It never changed their lives. Never. And perhaps that's you. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've been here for a long time. And the question is still the same. Can you hear? Are you just spiritually deaf because you cannot hear? Because you don't know God. You've never known that you're from God or not. Can I tell you this? If you don't fix it, if you don't let God fix it, it will not just destroy you. It will destroy your hearing, yes, but your life. For all eternity, he says. That's the hearing test. When you hear God, you obey God. That's the Shema. See, it's not just I hear your words, Jesus. I hear them and obey them. I do them. Has your life been changed like that? See, that's what he's asking you this morning. That's the test that he wants you to understand. By this, see verse 6, by this. Remember last week we said what? Indicator lights. Well, this paragraph is the same as last week's. By this, verse 2. By this, verse 6 in our chapter. See, here's this. By this. It's a little sandwich in between. Here's how you can know that you know truth and error, that you're of the truth, that you're not of error. See, because you hear him. And when he tells you things about your marriage, you do them. And he tells us about your dating life. He tells us about your sexuality. He tells you things about your morality. You hear him and you do it. Oh, not perfectly or sinlessly, but that's the pattern of your life. That's really who you are. Is it who you are? I'd hate to think that anyone here is an imposter, a fraud, a fake, a phony. But are you hearing what God says? Do you pass the test? Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around this morning. There's a lot of false prophets going on into our world. A lot of antichrist doctrines speaking against our Lord. The question for all of us this morning is, who is Jesus? That's number one. And then let's go a little further application-wise. Who is Jesus to you? Would anyone know at your work? Would they even know in your neighborhood or your family? Would your friends think it's obvious that you know him? That you hear him? Would they see the change in hearing his words makes in your life? Would they know? Do you confess him openly or do you shy away from those? See, does the test this morning make you a little anxious? Because of what it reveals? Oh, see, those are indicator lights that may be going off on the dashboard of your soul this morning that you need to stop ignoring and say, God, maybe I don't hear because I'm not from you. But you can be. You can be. See, you can let someone take the Bible and show you how that God can open your ears to hear the truth and live the truth. And have life eternal. Would there be anyone with every head bowed and every eye closed? Would there be anyone saying, Pastor Walker, listen, I'm here this morning. And I think perhaps for the first time I really heard the gospel. I 
what you're telling me. I hear it, and I don't think that I am from God. Oh, I know about God. I know about Jesus. I may even believe the facts about him, but the truth is I don't know him. It doesn't change my life, but I want it to. Would you pray for me? And with no one looking around, just say, here's my hand. Pray for me. I need to know God to hear his word and be changed. Anyone, just slip your hand up and put it back down for a moment. I'll pray for you. Anyone, balcony, main floor, either, either one. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Maybe you're a Christian here this morning, and you say, Pastor, I hear God's words. I know their words. But let me tell you, I am not obeying them like I should when I hear them. My life is not matching up with what I hear and what I do. Remember what James says, don't be just a hearer of the word, but a doer. Is that you? Oh, Pastor Walker, I hear, I hear a lot, but I don't do a lot. And that really, as a Christian, that needs to change, perhaps even radically in my life. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up and I'll do that. I'll pray for you as well this morning in a moment when I close. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand in the balcony as well. Thank you. Anyone else? Father, we shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth shall set us free. Oh, Lord, even if it's just the one hand today, which is fantastic. Oh, I pray the truth that they've heard would, by your spirit, go deep into the core of who they are and they would be changed, forever changed, by your rich grace that they might know forgiveness of sins and life in your name. And for the many who raise their hand, confessing that they know that Jesus Christ is Lord and God, but also at the same time confessing that they hear much more than they do. Oh, God, thank you for the humble humility that they would willingly admit that. But, Father, I pray that repentance would follow, Christ-likeness would follow, and maturity and growth would follow as they get into your word. Let us be a people of the book. And all these blessings and requests we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.